Welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. The sermon that you're about to listen to is on Galatians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 and you might like to turn to that passage in your Bible or have it up on the screen before, uh, just have a read of it before we begin. And just to remind you that uh, there's more content on the uh, Understand the Bible YouTube channel. I'm running a series at the moment on uh, called What is Christianity? And we've just done part four of that on Jesus. Uh, so uh, if you'd like to look at that, that's a great course for people who are maybe new to faith or exploring and who want to uh, find out what Christianity is. So thanks so much for joining everyone. I hope that you enjoy and I look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless.
This they did, selling their gift to the elders, buying Barnabas and Saul. So there was a, a, a famine, and um, they sent the gift by Barnabas and Saul. Now that will become um, significant with what Paul says a bit later on. So um, Paul, he says, he met privately with those esteemed as leaders. So with the most notable of the church leaders in, in Jerusalem. And perhaps, um, again, I wonder if he's saying this because perhaps the people in Galatia who were trying to draw them away have been saying, well, we know the most esteemed leaders in, uh, in Jerusalem and we say they're saying this. Perhaps that was what they've been saying. Um, and, uh, and he said, well, I presented them to the, the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. And um, he just wanted confirmation. He wanted confirmation that he hadn't been running the race in vain, and that he was in fact preaching the same gospel that they were, so that they were on the same page, that they, they had the same gospel. And he says, not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. And this was, as we'll see, this was the issue that these, um, uh, what we might call Judaizers, or false believers, he says, um, have been saying that not only must they believe in Jesus, but they had to obey the entirety of the, the law of Moses. So they said, believing in Jesus is not enough. You have to obey uh, the law of Moses as well, including getting circumcised for the um, uh, for people. But he said that Titus wasn't, uh, didn't need to be circumcised when he went up to Jerusalem. So that's not the gospel that the Jerusalem churches preach. That's the important thing, uh, that he, the, the point that he's making. Um, and uh, yes, it seems like the, these Jewish um, Judaizers, the false believers, he says, they came to spy on our freedom. And perhaps they were envious, he says, of their, their freedom in Christ. They were envious of them and they thought, well, why do they get to just believe and we have to, to keep all of the law? And they were jealous. Um, but he says, we did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We didn't give in. He says, it's actually, what was at stake was the gospel itself. The gospel, the foundational good news, the gospel message was what was at stake. So he says, we didn't give in to them for a moment. That was why it was so important. He says, as for those who are held in high esteem, again, making, making that um, perhaps little nod to the, these false believers, he says, well, you know, you hold them in high esteem. Well, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. The, the grace of God is a great leveler, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a person who's you know, got a platform, whether the person is preaching to hundreds and thousands. Or whether you're someone in, in the pews. You know, we're all equally important to God, equally saved by grace. That's the point of grace, isn't it? it, it it's the great level. Um, it says, they added nothing to my message. So my message was the same as theirs. We were preaching the same gospel. That's really important. And, uh, and it says, they actually recognise I've been entrusted with the task of preaching to the uncircumcised 
as Peter had to the circumcised. So Paul was saying, I've been given a mission. They recognised, I've been given a mission. But it was sort of parallel. So Peter was, went to the Jews, and um, Paul says, well, I've been sent to the Gentiles. But we were both, um, you know, we've both been sent with the same message, but just different groups of people. That's the difference between us, not the message, but the, the audience. Um, and they gave, as it's in verse 9, James, Cephas, and John, Cephas as in Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, an expression of their unity, even though they were preaching to a different group. Um, they were um, united. They had the right hand of, of, of fellowship. And uh, you think it couldn't get much more of a um, James, Cephas, and John. I mean, you know, they were the, the cornerstone of the, um, of the church, of the message of the apostles. And that uh, they recognised the grace that was given. It was the same grace. It was the same gospel. They recognised it. That's what they were saying. And uh, then we have this rather puzzling verse. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. And why does he say that? Remember the poor. It seems like it just seems like he's diverting off onto another track there, isn't it? Why does he mention the poor? Well, the reason I believe is that when he talks about the poor, he's talking about the poor in Jerusalem. That if you recall from Acts, the passage I read in Acts chapter eleven, it was because of the poor in Jerusalem of the famine. And Paul had been sent with the, the gifts for the poor, for the poor uh, Christians in Jerusalem. And so this is what I think they're saying. They're saying, um, we need to be united, we need to still support. And you know, I know that you, you've got your mission to the Gentiles and we've got our mission to the Jews, but you know, can, will you please still support the mission in, in Jerusalem. And Paul says, yes, of course. That's the very thing that I've been eager to do all along. And um, also in um, the Romans chapter 15, verse um, 26, it says, um, Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. So this is, again, you know, the poor in Jerusalem is what they're talking about. So what are we to make of this in terms of, of unity? And what, what relevance does it have to our, our situation today? Well, what Paul is saying is that there is only one gospel. And that is the only basis for our unity. So whether you're a Pentecostal or a Charismatic, whether you're an Anglican or whether you're a Methodist or whether you're a Baptist, Whatever you may be, there is only one gospel. There isn't a Baptist gospel and an Anglican gospel, um, or you know any different denomination. But there is only one gospel. And there's, yes, different churches may do things differently. So some churches might uh, we might have liturgy and the, the order of service. Other churches might have it more kind of free and, and dynamic. Um, we might sing hymns with an organ. Some churches might have it with a band and a guitar. Um, you know, we might have a formal service, some might have an informal, we might have a 30-minute service, some might have a three-hour service. Same gospel. 
That's, that's our unity, not in the style or the trappings of, of how we worship, but actually in the gospel message, the gospel of grace. And we have fellowship with other Christians if we believe in the same gospel. So we're united not by, uh, not by external things, but by the gospel. The converse to that is that if they don't have the true gospel, then we don't have fellowship. And sadly, this is an issue that we've had to, to think through, and we need to keep on thinking through in the Church of England, when there are certainly some in, in the Church of England who would not believe in the historic gospel um, that the Church of England has believed. Um, but that, sadly, this is all through the world at the moment. Now, how does this um, apply in the 21st century to issues, for example, you might have seen in the news a week ago, I think just about a week and a half ago, the Church of England produced a report about race and racism in the church. And um, they said, well, we've got to tackle this. And um, how does this apply into that issue? And um, it just strikes me that many of the Anglican churches, the Anglican provinces around the world, that are not from Western kind of um, backgrounds, have held on to the true gospel in a way that a lot of Western churches haven't. And it seems to me that if we want to be united as a global church and we want to do something, uh, then actually we need to focus back on the gospel message which unites us, rather than focusing on, on other things. Um, the Western churches, we're trying to solve the problem with quotas. And I think we're uh, trying to get 30% of uh, minority ethnic groups um, being ordained in the Church of England. I mean, that's, in some ways that's laudable. They want to try and do a good thing, but I think they're going the wrong way about it. But actually, our unity comes from the Gospel and comes from believing that same message. And that if we really focus on that, then our other differences kind of fall away. And that's the lovely thing about the, the Gospel message. I'd just like to finish by, by reading a, a lovely passage from Revelation chapter 7, just to say that God wins in the end. That the Lord wins in the end. This is what it says. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Isn't that a wonderful picture? That people from every nation, tribe, people and language, before the throne, worshipping the Lord Jesus. And I think that is the beautiful picture that we need to, that we need to think about. That the church is, doesn't, isn't about obliterating our differences. That we're all individuals, we all come from different backgrounds, uh, nationalities and everything. That's all a good thing. But we all worship the same Jesus. And that is what brings us together. And that is a lovely thing, I think, that we can focus on worshipping Jesus together. Um, whatever our background is, we worship the same Jesus. And he is the one who unites us and, and, and brings us together as a church. So he is the basis of our unity, whatever our background is, and that is a good thing.
Well, let's take a moment to pray and to ask God to help us to, to understand these things and to live, to live them out. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, uh, that the gospel message of grace uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ is the basis, the foundation of our unity. And we pray that you would help us to, to hold that unity in our church as we come together from all different walks of life and backgrounds and nations. And uh, we pray that we would gather around the same Lord Jesus, the same gospel message and be united as a church. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be wise in thinking through how we relate to other churches and uh, perhaps where the gospel message is not being preached. Uh, we pray that you would give us wisdom in how we might go forward. Um, and uh, yeah, please bless us, Lord, as a church and grant us to come together under the name and the banner of Jesus.